to the Holmes Politicast. Uh, we have a lot interesting things this week. Uh, a lot of interesting things. And of course, next week is Memorial Day weekend. And so there's a lot going on. And uh, we'll talk about that shortly. Um, but okay, we have a couple of stories I want to get to right away. Uh, the Deadline Detroit is doing an article that says Michigan doesn't know true nursing home death toll from COVID. <clears throat> Here, here's the story. It appears that Michigan wild, wildly undercounts COVID deaths and its long-term care facilities. An investigation by the Mackinac Center for Public Policy reveals that the Department of Health and Human Services does not do a thorough job of scrubbing vital records to determine whether people who died of COVID were nursing home residents, as its own guideline requires. Moreover, our investigation found that DHHS did conduct a limited review of those vital records last summer and found that 44% could be traced to nursing homes. Don't expect the nursing home data to get better or more accurate. DHHS has abandoned the practice of thoroughly scrubbing records because it is considered too time-consuming. Now, why should it matter? Because we need a clear picture of what happened to our elderly during the pandemic, so we can do better next time. Data helps. Unfortunately, it's unclear if the incomplete and limited numbers have ever been made public. The true number of pandemic deaths inside Michigan's elder care centers may never be known. But our analysis shows that the COVID death toll may be 100% higher than the state reports. Our findings are based on communications with state health officials, as well as material obtained in a Freedom of Information lawsuit settlement with the Attorney General's office. Long-term care facilities are licensed and regulated by the state. They're required to provide weekly COVID-19 data, including outbreaks and resident deaths, no matter where those people eventually die. Among these group facilities are nursing homes, which provide round-the-clock medical attention to residents, homes for the aged, which function like nursing homes, but do not offer full-time medical care, adult foster care homes, which function like homes for the aged, but house smaller populations of people. The adult foster homes are broken down into two categories, those with 13 to 20 residents and those that house 12 or fewer people. Collectively, they are informally known as nursing homes. Just over 19,000 people in Michigan have died from COVID-19, according to daily data posted by DHHS. We only know for sure that approximately 5,600 people died who were residents of long-term care facilities. This data is self-reported by those nursing homes. This method operates on an honor system. Another 6,945 deaths among those 19,000 COVID-19 fatalities are classified as vital records reviews, according to the Attorney General. Uh, these are recorded only after health officials and epidemiologists pour through death certificates across the state. And determine what the cause of death, or that the cause of death was indeed COVID-19. Here's where the problems begin. State health officials do not attempt to determine 
whether the per people in this vital records group lived in a nursing home or whether they contracted the disease there, as their guidelines require. Long-term care facility COVID-19 data, which is reported on this webpage, comes from the facilities themselves. So it doesn't include any data from vital records reviews, said Bob Wheaton, a spokesman for DHHS. Steve Dealey, a lawyer with the Mackinac Center, and I have learned that the state of Michigan did in fact conduct a study with a limited sample last summer to find out if people in this, on this vital records list were residents of long-term care facilities. Exactly 1,468 vital records were selected from March through June 2020. Of those, 648 deaths were traced back to nursing homes and other long-term facilities. That's 44%, nearly half. Apply 44% to the nearly 7,000 vital records, and there be, may be another 3,000 deaths of the institutionalized elderly unaccounted for. If, if that is the case, the number of nursing home deaths now climbs to 8,900. Uh, and so the story goes on uh, comparing her to Andrew Cuomo. If you want to read it, it's in the Deadline Detroit art. It's in the Deadline Detroit website. Um, it's a rather lengthy article. But it is interesting. I mean, this is one of many things that is now coming out that's really hurting Governor Whitmer. I mean, she's really going through it right now. A number of issues, uh, which we'll talk about some of them in a bit. Uh, and in fact, this story from Breitbart um, will touch on a scandal in the last two weeks. A the headline reads, A veto-proof Michigan House majority passes bill refunding coronavirus fines after Gretchen Whitmer hypocrisy. A veto-proof majority of Michigan representatives passed a bill Tuesday that would require the state to refund coronavirus-related fines after Governor Gretchen Whitmer was caught violating her own order. By a 73-34 to 34 vote, the State House swiftly passed HB 4501, a bill brought up for consideration after Breitbart News busted Whitmer for violating her restaurant table capacity order last weekend. If the governor can violate her own orders without any repercussions, then why should our business owners be fined? State Representative Steve Johnson wondered. The fines and penalties have been significantly related to Whitmer's executive orders, later ruled unconstitutional by the Michigan Supreme Court. The Center Square reported Whitmer's Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity issued 96 fines, totaling $259,200. There are 112 open cases for alleged violations with potential fines that could amount to another $364,200. Currently, 29 of those are under appeal. Breitbart News reported Wednesday about 56 restaurants and bars punished by the Whitmer administration over her orders. Johnson cited other businesses, including home builders and office equipment providers, that have also been hit. The municipality most aggressive 
at citing individuals and businesses is by far the city of Detroit. In February, Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy dismissed over 1,600 citations issued by Detroit police or health officials enforcing Whitmer's orders. Worthy said there was no legal basis to prosecute the alleged offenders. Grand Rapids, Michigan's second largest city, issued zero coronavirus orders or order-related tickets, a police department representative told Breitbart News. Sterling Heights, the state's fourth largest city, wrote 12 tickets, a spokesman said. Lansing issued 10 written reports, which were referrals for potential prosecution, the police department told Breitbart News. On Saturday, Whitmer and at least 12 others dined at the Landshark, a dive bar in the college town of East Lansing. Whitmer claimed the group pushed tables together, violating her restaurant table capacity order. The order, which requires tables be at six, six feet apart and bans groups larger than six, was revised after Whitmer's violation and will expire June 1st. Yesterday, I went with friends to a local restaurant. As more people arrived, the tables were pushed together, Whitmer admitted, after the Breitbart News exclusive report. Because we were all vaccinated, we didn't stop to think about it, she claimed. In retrospect, I should have thought about it. I am human. I made a mistake. And I apologize, the governor said. So that is the other, another big story that came out this week about Whitmer. And it's interesting that as soon as she was caught, she, she changed the order immediately. Um, but I think, I mean, it is true. We are all human and we do make mistakes. And I think that should have been taken into account with all of the other people who violated that order, that they may have just made a mistake. I mean, you know, you don't always think about it when you're with a group of friends. You don't think about, you know, you know, should we, you know, you just, you just sit next to each other. You start talking. You don't think about how many people count, how many people are at the table or and if you're with a bunch of friends, you don't want to sit six feet apart. I mean, that's really hard to have a conversation, you know. Um, so I could give her a pass if she would give, if she would have given the American, the Michigan people a pass and said, look, this is, you know, it's a hard rule to follow. And, but instead, she was very harsh with these people. And yet she did the same thing and then just brushed it off as, Look, I'm human. I make mistakes. Uh, so anyway, this is just another example of uh, why this is all falling apart. It took longer than I expected, but uh, I knew eventually this thing was going to fall apart because you just can't – you can't control people like that. I mean unless there's a fear of death like in a communist nation where they will kill you. If you step out of line, um, you're not going to be able to control people that long. You can control them for a while, but eventually people are going to start pushing back and saying, I'm not taking any more of this. So <clears throat> anyway, there is a lot of uh, she's really been going through it. Also, you'll remember um, 
let me think here, that she's been uh, attacked for uh, her trip, her midnight ride to Florida. Now it turns out the Whitmer's campaign, not the nonprofit fund, will pay for flights to and from Florida where she visited her father. A lawyer for her campaign and fund says he learned from PVS Chemicals it can only accept payment from campaign committee because it's not authorized to operate charter flights. So this story is just one that refuses to die. Just does. It just keeps going on and on and on. Uh, so uh, she's really having some trouble here as far as um, nursing home deaths and now her violating her own orders plus, well, I mean, this is also violating her own orders, but leaving the state. I mean, she's really going through some stuff. And we'll see how that all plays out. I mean, she's got an election coming up next year. And I haven't seen any polls about how popular she is. She's very popular among Democrats. She's not really popular among Republicans. I'm not sure how independents feel about her. So I can't rate at this point whether she's going to easily win re-election or not. But, um, but this is never good for an election coming up. And speaking of the election, there are already people who are lining up to run for the Republican nomination. Uh, you know, they've been talking about um, well, there's there's several people, including the sheriff of Detroit. Uh, not real enthusiastic about him, but I mean, hey, some people like him, I'm sure. But uh, Michigan conservative commentator Tudor Nixon, Dixon to run for governor challenging Whitmer. This is from actually Fox News. Uh, conservative media personality Tudor Dixon is entering the 2022 race for governor of Michigan, mounting a Republican primary campaign for the chance to oust Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Dixon enters a GOP race that could get crowded with big names as next year's primaries inch closer, as former Republican Senate candidate John James and Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel have both been seen as possible candidates. I am honored by the tremendous encouragement I've received to run and look forward to sharing our vision of an ambitious, bright future for our state with Michiganders, Dixon said in an announcement first obtained by Fox News. It is time to reopen, rebuild, and restore Michigan. Uh, but to do that, we have to turn the page of Governor Whitmer's record of failed leadership. Dixon hosts America's, America's Voice Live on the right-wing news outlet Real America's Voice. She slammed, um, oh, hold on here, okay, one of these ads popped up, um, uh, uh, Dixon has slammed Whitmer's repeated, repeatedly on social media and other outlets, particularly over her hand. It's hurt the state so significantly when you look at what's happening in Michigan, Dixon said in an appearance on I'm Right with Jesse Kelly. You look at hospitality, you look at business, 
Just yesterday, businesses were actually allowed to bring their people back into the office, Dixon said. We have our school shut, st shut down still. We have many students that are out of school, and she supported the teachers' union. She supported keeping businesses closed. Whitmer has come under fire not just for her strict coronavirus restrictions, which around the holidays banned any gatherings from people from more than two households, but also for allegedly flouting her own restrictions. She flew to Florida in March despite warning Michiganders not to travel out of state. Whitmer also attended President Biden's inauguration, which included about 2,000 people, according to the Washington Post, despite the fact her state had guidance limiting outdoor gatherings to 25 people at a time. The anger at Whitmer from many on the right, plus the fact 2022 will be a midterm with a Democratic president, is giving some Republicans optimism that they could unseat Whitmer next year. But Whitmer is still considered strong politically. Uh, the University of Virginia Center for Politics race the, rates the race leans Democratic. Dixon will also potentially face an uphill battle in the GOP primary, defend, depending on the other candidates who run. She likely does not have the same level of name recognition as James or McDaniel. Dixon met with former President Donald Trump earlier this month, according to her Twitter account. Michigan primary elections are on August 2nd, 2022, giving Dixon more than a year to campaign for the GOP nomination to take on Whitmer. Very interesting. Um, I, I read, I looked her up and I looked at her website and uh, I like a lot of her positions. The only thing that I found on her website is that it was very vague. Uh, Hopefully, she'll be able to outline her positions more clearly in the coming months. Uh, you know, like if you looked up, to give you an example, if you look up something like uh, Michigan jobs, it's, you know, the statement, and this isn't the exact quote, but the statement is very vague, like, we need more jobs in Michigan. That's why I'm determined to bring, you know, more more jobs and more opportunity to the people of Michigan. You know, uh, you know, they're just like mottos. She's not actually listing yet any, any policies that she wants to promote or anything she wants to do. It's just, you know, on the pandemic, you know, we need to reopen our, our state and allow businesses to serve the people again. Okay. Well, you know, that was the only thing I found critical is that a lot of her, when it says her policies, they don't actually give any policies. They're just cheerleader kind of things like, yes, we need to work together to make sure that Michigan's the best state in the union. You know, they're not really any concrete proposals of what she wants to do or how she's going to bring us to these things. They're just like campaign slogans and sound bites. So I'm hoping that maybe she just hasn't sat down and formally written them out yet. I'm hoping that's what it is because she's not going to win if she only has platitudes. Um, that's one, to be honest, that's one thing that I'm really disappointed with the Republicans about. And it's something that Donald Trump really, I believe started uh, in this case. This is one area I have to blame Trump. And that is that he he got elected president by not really offering concrete proposals. I mean, you know, 
uh, he had a lot of slogans like lock her up, build the wall, you know, drain the swamp. But he didn't really explain how he was going to do those things. Like, how are you going to build a wall? You know, where are you going to get the money from? How are you going to, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And I've noticed that since then, a lot of Republicans have given up trying to outline long policies. That's mostly something the Democrats are doing where it's actually kind of boring in many ways because they will list, you know, taxes and how much money they need to raise and what percent, you know, and if you, if you, if you uh, make over a certain percent, then you're going to tax at this rate. And if you do, you know, and, you know, and it's all kind of wonky and, and, you know, how they're going to do infrastructure, how they're going to do these things where the Republicans are really running on like cultural things and not really like, you know, the Democrats want to ban Mr. Potato Head. We're going to stop it. We're going to let Dr. Seuss not be, we're not going to cancel Dr. Seuss. Like they're not really offering a lot of concrete proposals of how they're going to make your life better. They just are running on these soundbite kind of things. Um, and I think that it's going to hurt them in the midterms unless they can come up with actual policies that are going to improve people's lives. You know, you can't just read Dr. Seuss on YouTube and think that's going to make people vote Republican. Um, you know, independents and disenfranchised Democrats are not going to come over and vote Republican. I mean, the Republicans will vote Republican anyway, but and that's my only concern with her is that She's looking at people like Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy and these people and saying, well, they never outlined. They just said, let's make America great again and we'll drain the swamp and we'll bring jobs back. And and they won. And so why do I need to waste time actually coming up with concrete proposals? I'll just come up with these happy slogans. You know, we're going to put Michigan back to work. We're going to reopen Michigan. We're going to make Michigan the best state in the entire union, you know, and I don't think that's going to go very far because at some point people want to know people are, are inherently selfish. I mean, that's part of our human nature. It, it, elections become, unfortunately, it shouldn't be this way, but elections come down to what are you going to do for me? You know, how is my life going to be better? I don't care if my neighbor's life is going to be better. I don't care if the guy down the street's life is going to be better. I want to know how is my life going to be better. And that is just, it's something that both parties struggle with. Uh, you know, I'll just give you a, a brief lesson here, brief history lesson, that I noticed this, some of it in retrospect, but we had three two-term presidents in a row, and then we had Donald Trump, and Donald Trump lost this last election primarily because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, that was the real only reason. If we hadn't had the pandemic or if we had gotten those vaccines out earlier, Donald Trump would have won re-election. There's no doubt in my mind, um, and that's that's a different story about – Joe Biden, his weaknesses and all that. But what I'm saying is that I noticed that the Democrats had this problem under Trump 
and Republicans had it under Obama. And I think, in retrospect, their Democrats had it under Bush and Republicans had it under Clinton. But we'll just go for the last two presidents or the previous two presidents. Republicans tried very hard to get rid of Barack Obama. And they failed over and over. They kept losing the battles and they lost the wars, meaning he kept getting reelected twice. He got elected twice and they couldn't seem to stop him. I mean, they, they, I mean, they were able to get little victories like, you know, um, you know, they were able to get the Democrats to, uh, 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 you know, um, compromise. That's the word I was looking for a little bit, but they really weren't able to win over the hearts and minds of people because they didn't offer anything. The Republicans weren't offering anything. Uh, to the people, Obama, whether you liked it or not, was still offering things to people. He wanted to get universal health care. He wanted, you know, to to do a lot of things. Um, and at least he was doing something. That's what most people were thinking. I mean, you know, he wants to give us health care. I don't know if I agree with universal health care, but what are the Republicans proposing? We hate universal health care. Okay, well that, but he's trying to get us health care. Do something about healthcare because we have a healthcare crisis in this country. What are you guys proposing? And the Republicans answer: We hate Obama, and we don't want universal healthcare. That's socialism. Well, you know, if the people know there's a crisis in healthcare and they want something done, and one party is doing something, even something that they don't particularly care for, and the other party is just shaking their head and saying we don't like it. Well, I'm going to go with the people who are actually trying to do something because. I may not like it, but something has to be done. And the other party, the Republicans, aren't offering anything. They're just saying we don't like Obama. We don't like what he wants to do. We think it's socialism. We think it's wrong. Instead of saying here's our plan of what we want to do to help the health care crisis. And so they kept losing. Uh, and the same thing happened to the Democrats under Trump. You know, Donald Trump, whether you like him or hate him, whether you agree with him or not, he was trying to do something about the immigration problem that we had on the border. It was something that presidents for years, for decades, have been saying they're going to solve and nothing ever gets done. They fight over whose jurisdiction it is. Um, the, they, the states say that immigration is in the Constitution. And it is the responsibility of the federal government to ensure that our laws um, and our borders are secure. And that's the function of the federal government and the president. The presidents usually say, <clears throat> we have bigger issues to deal with. If Arizona has a problem with their borders, it is Arizona's responsibility to secure that border with Mexico. If, if California is having a problem, California needs to deal with it. If Texas has a problem, Texas has to deal with it. The federal government shouldn't have a one-size-fits-all policy for the entire border of the southern border of the United States because what works in Texas might not work in California because they have different landscapes. They have different challenges. Some of them have rivers going through. How are you – you can't block the river without destroying the water supply that goes into, uh, into the farms and other areas. So you can't have a wall through a river. 
Uh, and if you put in only a partial wall, well, then people can get through it underneath it, all kinds of stuff. So, you know, um, and, and what about fish and other things? You know, it just becomes very difficult. So they're saying Texas has to deal with their border. So anyway, so then nothing gets done because both sides say we're not dealing with it. We're going to wait for the other side to deal with it. Trump was doing something about it. Whether you agreed with it or not is irrelevant. He was trying to do something about it. He was trying to do something about tariffs. He was trying to do something about uh, uh, terrorism, Muslim in immigrants, and and other things. And what did the Democrats do? They just sat and, and harped the whole time. We don't like Trump. We think Trump's an idiot. We think Trump's horrible. Well, that's why Trump kept winning. He couldn't be impeached. He couldn't, or he was impeached. He couldn't be removed from office because they were just looking for any reason to attack. And instead of saying, this is what the Republicans are offering, here's our counteroffer to the American people. Trump wants to build a border, a wall across the border. Here's what we think. Here are five things that we think we could pass that will solve the crisis on the border without building a wall across, across the entire southern border. They never said that. They just said, Trump's a racist. Trump is horrible. He hates Mexicans. He wants to kill immigrants. You know, um, you know, they just they just kept criticizing what was being done instead of offering their own uh, their own policies. I liken it to, and this is like I said about the Republicans under Obama, and 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 quite frankly, how I'm seeing the Republicans acting under Biden right now is they're like the backseat driver. You know, this person is driving and instead of saying, hey, I think I'm looking at the map here and if we took this direction over here, it would save time. We could still get there. It's less dangerous. It's less costly in fuel, whatever. You know, I think this would be a better route to take and hey, let's ask everybody, do you guys think we should continue taking the route we're taking or should we take this other route over here? Let me, you know, I'll show you the map. I'll show you why I think this is the best route to take. And we'll let you decide. They're like the backseat driver who just sits back and why are you going that fast? Why'd you cut that curve so quickly? How come you're taking this way? This way's ugly. I don't like this way at all. This is stupid. When are we going to get there? I thought we'd be there by now. That's not constructive. That's just criticizing everything the driver is doing instead of offering a different path, a different alternative route and, and explaining what the benefits of the route would be, they're just in the back seat complaining about everything the driver is doing. And the driver in this case would be the, the president. The Republicans did that to Obama, the Democrats did it to Trump. And I fear the Republicans are doing it with Biden. They're not offering a lot of, um, they're not offering a lot of alternatives. They are, at least at this point, they are just criticizing everything the Democrats are doing instead of saying, the Democrats are wrong. Let me tell you the right way we need to be doing this. Let me offer you a better way. Yes, we agree that with Biden that we need to, you know, to get businesses going again. We agree with Biden that we need something to help the people who have been uh, thrown, thrown off out of jobs because of the virus. Yes. You know, we agree with Biden on, on, on these issues where we disagree is how he wants to do it. Or we agree. We want, we need infrastructure where we disagree is 
how Biden wants to do it. He wants to raise taxes on the rich. You know, he wants to spend trillions of dollars. We don't have to spend trillions of dollars. We can do this with a budget of $100 billion if we do this, this, and this. You know, if they were to offer the alternatives and say, we agree with the goal Biden is trying to set. You know, we agree we want to educate our children. We want to make sure that our families aren't sick. We want to make sure that businesses are reopening. We want to make sure our infrastructure is sound. We agree with those, those principles. You know, we agree that we don't want racism in our country. We don't want Asian Americans or Black Americans or Native Americans or any of these people being discriminated against and being beat up or shot or these things. But we disagree with the way the Democrats and President Biden wants to do this. Here's what we are offering to, to, to reach the same goal, but without it hurting our pocketbooks or without it, you know, without the government having so much control over our lives or whatever. Instead, they're just harping, you know, Biden's senile. Biden doesn't know what he's doing. Biden's an idiot. Who's really running this country anyway? You know, why is Kamala Harris meeting world leaders? How come, you know, how come they're trying to ban Mr. Potato Head? You know, why, you know, Democrats are just out of control. They just want to cancel everything. You know, that's not going to make people want to vote for you. It just makes it sound like you're a whiny little child in the back seat complaining about everything. And all you really want to do is tell the child, now quiet down. The adults are running things up here. The adults are driving. You just sit in the back, stay quiet, play with your toys, you know, and that, and that becomes in essence, what happens. It happened to the Democrats. It happens to Republicans when they just play whiny instead of offering an alternative, you know, um, if you, if you guys remember your history, Ronald Reagan did his A Time for Choosing, where he gave that great speech in which he said, we're at a crossroads. And he offered a Republican conservative version and said, it's a time for choosing. We're at a fork in the road. Do we want to continue down the policies of the liberals? And he explained what those policies were and how they were hurting America. Or do we want to go to the right? And here are the policies that we believe are going to make, theoretically, to use Trump's term, make America great again. And the people made the choice that they wanted to go in the conservative direction. That's what the Republicans need to do now. It's what the, the Democrats should have done if you were a Democrat. You should have done that under Trump. It's what the Republicans should have done under Obama. Under Obama, is offered a clear, concise uh, policy issues of where we want to go, where we want to take this nation, and why. The road we're on is not good for the country. So my fear is, unless the Republicans do that, we're going to end up with eight years of the Democrats, and we may end up continuing um, with the Democratic Congress. So, um, so anyway, that's uh, and also oh, and, and to make my point about Whitmer. That's what the Republicans need to do here in Michigan, too, is say that we agree with the lofty goals, some of the goals that Whitmer has set. I mean, yeah, we all want Michigan to be the best state in the union. We all want that. But we disagree on how she's handling it. And, and in order to do that, you need to give precise things um, that you uh, believe in and want to see done.
Um, we're actually almost out of time, which is unfortunate because I have many, many more things to talk about. Uh, let me just, um, I guess I'll just talk just briefly. Uh, maybe next week I'll talk about Memorial Day weekend, even though it's already passed, because I wanted to do a little bit more about Memorial Day. But we have, uh, you know, uh, there is now a discussion about the origins of the COVID-19 virus. Um, I guess it's no longer considered racist to consider this. Um, we have uh, several um, sick staff at the Wuhan lab from um, like November or October of last year. So there are now questions as to whether or not this might have been created in a lab in Wuhan and gotten released. Um, I just want to say, I think there's a very good, there's a very good chance. I, I, I never talked about this on this show and I, I don't think I really talked about it much with anybody, even privately because um, about the origins, I have long suspected that this was a man-made uh, disease that was probably created as a biological weapon and it either was released accidentally or they were testing it on some people and it got out of control um but the reason i didn't talk about it and the reason why i didn't make a big deal when trump talked about it i didn't defend trump when he started talking about it, even though i did agree with him and i figured he must have some uh reports i mean you know he has the best intelligence reports of anyone in the world. I mean, we have a great intelligence agency. And I figured he must be getting that. He's not just making this up. But the reason I didn't really talk about it too much or defend Trump is because it's very similar to being on the Titanic when it's sinking. I mean, the idea is to get as many people off and safe as possible right now. The last thing you need is people arguing on the Titanic as to whose fault it is that they hit the iceberg. You can argue that when you're on safe land. Right now, get everybody off the ship, you know, try to save as many lives as possible, quit arguing and, and solve the problem. And that's kind of where I was a year ago. I had real questions about it and I thought Trump may have been onto something, but I thought now is not the time for us to be arguing about whose fault it is. You know, everything's being shut down. I was afraid we were gonna fall into another depression because of all the shutdowns, people were out of work. Um, there was panic buying, you know, and, and people were dying and, you know, the news media was pulling their hair out and getting people scared to death that you have to wear a mask and you have to, you know, get to social distancing, we're all gonna die. I thought right now is not the right time for us to start pointing fingers and trying to decide whose fault is it. Should, should Trump have blocked down the borders earlier? Should China have to pay for this. Who's responsible? But right now is not really the time. We need to figure out what is going on right now and how is the best way we need to proceed. And after this is over, then we can start looking into the origins and deciding who's at fault here, what could have been done, what woulda, shoulda, coulda been done to make things better in hindsight. How can we learn from this so that we don't have this happen again? things like that. Um, so I didn't really talk a lot about it, but now that it seems like 
we're coming close to the end of this long national nightmare. Um, I think it is worth looking into where this originated and and how it transmitted so quickly and even understand how it transmitted because to this day, the CDC still is coming up with different things. I mean, you know, just two weeks ago, we heard that you had to have three masks or something. I mean, you know, in order to protect you and, you know, and, uh, you know, we were hearing all about how the things stay on surfaces for up to three days. So, you know, um, so you have to disinfect everything. And then later it's like, oh, well, I don't know where you got that from. It, it's not, it, this is an airborne sickness. It's not like if you touch a doorknob, you're going to get it. You know, um, like, really? That's what we were told. That's what, <laughs> what, one of the reasons why we had to shut down schools and everything is because, because there were going to be germs everywhere and we didn't want them bringing them home. And now we're like, oh, no, no, that's not even true. Um, so uh, I, I think it is important to understand what happened here. How did it come about? How did it get spread? How did and, – and literally, how did it get spread? I mean, it, it is crazy because there were two cases in the United States from people who had never been outside of the United States on two different parts of the country. I think there was one in New York and one in – Washington or Oregon, I can't remember, but one was on the West Coast and one was on in New York on the East Coast. The two had never come in contact with one another, and none of them had been out of the country. And yet, all of a sudden, two people in the United States on different parts of the continent suddenly wound up with coronavirus. How did that happen? You know, what, you know. I'm not I'm not going full conspiracy theory and thinking that, you know, that this was deliberately set in the United States or that the United States government did this or, you know, or something like that. I'm not I'm not going full tin hat here, tinfoil hat, but I'm just saying that that is something we need to understand how these this was being spread. So anyway, uh, I think it's past time. And now, of course. Biden has admitted that he wants to look into the origin. Dr. Fauci has even said that he's not sure that that this wasn't man-made after last year of claiming that was ludicrous. Um, Facebook and Twitter have now reversed their positions, whereas they banned many people for, for suggesting that the virus might have been created in a lab. They banned them for... for anti-science tweets and posts and now they're saying well we're going to allow it because it's a legitimate question uh you know i think we need to really do um like a top-down uh audit in this country and i'm not talking about economic audit i think we need to do a top-down and figure out what is going on in this country and how do we solve it i mean are facebook and twitter too powerful are you know what 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 constitutes a conspiracy theory? Is it just something out of the mainstream? Um, you know, just I think we need to look at everything. The CDC. We need to look at Fauci. We need to look at you know the media. We need to look at. I mean, we need to look at the Republicans. Are were some of them acting in in uh, good faith? Were the Democrats acting in good faith? You know, where you know I I just think that. This is my personal opinion, but I just think our country 
and I would have agreed this with this under Trump too. I thought the country is in deep trouble and it's been that way for a long time and it's institutional. Not, I'm not talking about institutional racism necessarily. I'm just talking about we have some real problems that are deep in our education system, in our governing system, in our judicial system, um, you know, and our military industrial complex. There are many, many issues that we need to really break apart, look into, discover why are we doing what we're doing? Why are, you know, what is the point of everything? I, I you know, I, I, I would like to see it on a much larger level, but, but it gets scary when you start tearing apart the constitution because you don't know what'll happen because there are crazies out there who want to destroy everything and you don't want that to happen. But I, I think we do need to repurpose ourselves and have a civics lesson where we sit down theoretically as a nation and decide why do you know, go through almost every line in the constitution. Why are we putting the Congress in charge of money? What's the purpose of saying we can't have a standing army during peacetime? What is the why do we have a Federal Reserve? Why do we have why do we use why don't we use gold? Why do we use uh, Federal Reserve notes and coins instead of using pure gold and silver and copper and, and things for our you know um, why why is our banking system the way it is? Why is you know why do we have the freedom of the press? Should there be any limits on it? Why do we have freedom of speech? Why do we have a Second Amendment? Why do we have, you know, uh, laws against illegal searches and seizures by the government or by the police and the government? You know, I I, I think we just re need to rethink why we do everything instead of just doing everything because that's how it's always been done. You know, why don't we sit through and think? You know, why do we have school that's only a certain amount of time. Why do we have summer vacations? Why do we have kids have summer vacations? What's the point of that? What's the point of having us? Why do we have elections in November? Why don't we have elections in June? Why don't we have elections in April? Why don't we have, why do we, why do we always have elections in November? What was the reason behind that? Do we need to continue doing that? Is it a tradition that is long past time to change or, you know, we're just doing it now because that's how it's always been done. Is that the best time? It might be. Um, you know, the 55 mile speed limit. Why do we have it at 55? What's the purpose of that? What's the benefits? What's the detriments? You know, I really would like to see a top bottom review of our entire system of government from top to bottom. Why do we do what we do? What's the point of it? Should we continue it? Uh, should we amend the Constitution to make changes? Considering it's the 21st century, some of these things might be everlasting, evergreen, you know, where they're good all the time. I personally am pro-Second Amendment, but hey, I'm not dumb enough. I'm not stubborn enough to think that I might, there might be a better system. There might be some changes we need to it. I don't see any at the time, or right now, but maybe there are. Maybe there are some things that we need to change. Um, because it's the 21st century. Maybe there are some good points on the other side. Haven't heard any, but there might be some. Uh, you know, so I really think that I'd like to see that because I just think our country is in an absolute mess right now. We can't trust anybody from the CDC to the quote-unquote the science. We can't believe our politicians. That's a given. We can't believe um, 
you know, we don't, we can't believe our news media. Uh, you know, it, it just seems like we need to rethink everything because everything's a mess right now. And I do understand, like I said, that there is danger in that because the minute you crack that door open, you don't know what could get in. And I personally, as a conservative, don't want to see the progressives be able to get gain a foothold and and make major changes. But you know, I, but at the same time, I don't know if it's worth just doing what we've always done just because we've always done it. That could be a recipe for disaster. I mean, that could at some point tradition and no knowledge of why we do things could end up running us right into. Uh, to use the Titanic uh, example, it could run us right into an iceberg because, well, this is the route we've always taken. And, okay, there might be an iceberg in the way, but we're not going to change course because we've always gone this way and we're not going to stop now. And other people are saying, we need to readjust because of the icebergs in the area. And I don't want to be so stubborn that I say, I'm not readjusting anything. This is the route we've always taken. We're going to take it and I don't care. And then we all die. You know, so there may be some adjustments we need to make to everything um, to save our nation, because otherwise our nation might only last another 100 years if we continue down the same path because nobody wants to change. So I'm just saying it's an idea. Anyway, I'm well over time. So I hope you guys have a great week. Um, hope you enjoy time with your family. And take some time to think about the men and women we've lost since the founding of our nation on Memorial Day. This is the day to remember those who gave their lives in the last full measure of devotion for us, for the cause of freedom, for our country. And it shouldn't be a sad day, but there should be some solemnity to it, thinking about the veterans who have passed. So <clears throat> hope you all have a great week and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.